It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, July 27th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is excited to get into some hockey history in Philadelphia with Scoop Cooper. Always fun to talk to Scoop. He is a wealth of knowledge. All right, we will get to that on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. That's where you'll keep up to date on all our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to talk about a couple little bits of Flyers news, especially about Bobby Brink and Tanner Lazinski. Then we're going to get right into our interview with Scoop Cooper, Flyers historian. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Russ, we kind of knew there was a problem with Bobby Brink, obviously, because he did not participate in development camp. We got confirmation that he tore the labrum in his left hip. So he had surgery. Recovery is five months, and if I'm doing my math right, that means he's definitely out for the beginning of the season. He's going to be out for months into the season uh, with this kind of injury, and then eventual um, re- you know, the rehab that he's going to go through, and the eventual assignment that he'll get, whether it's in the AHL or maybe even the ECHL, depending on where they think he's at. Um, I'm not expecting to see a lot of Bobby Brink this year. And it's a shame because, you know, as we've talked about before, he does have a history of sort of of getting injured. Uh, He does has not played a ton of games in, in his career so far, a lot of talent and he can't afford to lose a step. I mean, he's not, his skating is the one knock on him. So you just kind of hope he can get back to the speed he was at at least. Yeah. And in some ways I think, you know, he'll have to relearn to skate after that kind of surgery and I certainly hope he can at least get back to where he was and uh, have a real good chance to make an impact in Lehigh Valley because he'll absolutely have to start there no matter what yeah and you know in a way if he could get through a half a season there or something like that that wouldn't be bad for him because again you know you look at things Last year, he ended up playing 51 games. That's like the most games he's ever played. So I I do think it'll be good for him to have that kind of a recovery process. But uh, again, certainly hope he gets well soon and gets back up on his feet and uh, can get back to playing hockey. All right. Tanner Lazinski signed his qualifying offer or at least they came to a conclusion on a contract for 762,500. It's a two-year contract. The first year is a two-way deal, second year is a one-way deal at the NHL level. So uh, you know, I think this is really smart 
for Tanner to get that guaranteed NHL contract for the second year. It's smart yes. for the Flyers to have it two year in the first year. I'm sure there was some compromise going on there. But Tanner is one of those borderline guys that has a, a chance of making the Flyers. But I do think it's more likely he ends up in Lehigh Valley. Yeah, he'll probably start in Lehigh, but he definitely has a chance to make it. I think if, you know, I think Torts will like his interactions with him. I think he is that kind of player who could really carry out Torts' uh, system. So, but you're probably right. Uh, it is smart to get that two years. It's smart that the, this is a good two year signing by the Flyers. Uh, and so, yeah, I feel like if Lisinski stays healthy, we'll see him this year in Philly. I think so, too. He'll be definitely near the top of the list of call-ups if he does yes. indeed start out in Lehigh Valley. And I think he has a really strong case. Uh, hopefully he can make it in camp to to be that guy. Yeah, that's, that's the big hope, and I, I think he will. So we still have a few more unsigned players left. Of course, we know Zach McEwen filed for arbitration. But aside from that, we have Linus Hogberg. Uh, the bigger names, Owen Tippett and Wade Allison, yet to be signed, plus Hayden Hodgson and Jackson Cates. They're all going to get done. You know, who who's going to be like the last on the list? Probably Hayden Hodgson. Like, right. I just feel like he's going to be the last on the list. And McEwen will, will get done probably just before the arbitration date. Would say don't, don't hand out a two-year one on that one. But... The Flyers are handing out two-year ones pretty regularly, so who knows? We shall see. Uh, I I think that's a one-year deal if I were making it as well. Yep. All right. We are going to bring you our conversation with Scoop Cooper. A lot of fun stories, especially about Ed Snyder and Fred Shiro. So we're excited to bring that to you coming up next. All right, so there is so much hockey history in Philadelphia, not just the Flyers. We'll get into that. And we are so thrilled to welcome to the show Bruce Scoop Cooper, who is a hockey historian, now retired. Welcome. Well, I'm glad to be here, even though it took a, a technical miracle to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I want to start out pre-Flyers because I am the most fascinated by that aspect of it. There was a team before the Flyers called the Philadelphia Firebirds, and uh, I understand you worked for them. So tell us about that team and that league and how it kind of led to the Flyers becoming well, epic. Well, actually, the Firebirds were in the 70s. The first professional hockey team in Philadelphia was 1927, and that was the Philadelphia Arrows. The Flyers are actually the 10th professional hockey team in Philadelphia. I mean, there have been 10 professional hockey teams uh, in Philadelphia. I guess the Flyers were the 6th or 7th. Or uh, but put it this way, they're in the since 1927, there have only been seven hockey games played in Philadelphia at which a championship trophy was awarded at the end of the game. And I was at all seven. So <laughs> that pretty is good. pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I was no, the, the fire. The, the Firebirds was a, uh, was a, a, le a league below the American hockey league. There's, a, there's also been th three American hockey league teams and uh, or four American hockey league teams in Philadelphia as well. Um, there was the Phantoms um, and, uh, 
uh, see before well before that the Firebirds moved into the American Hockey League after the North American League, um, and then uh, before that there was the uh, uh, there was the Falcons and the Ramblers, and the Falcons were actually an interesting team because they shared something uh, in in the uh, in the histor uh, historic historic. Uh, accomplishment, so to speak, in the American Hockey League, which the Philadelphia Quakers were was the first NHL team in Philadelphia that lasted one season, which is 1930-31. Uh, that team has the still has the still standing record for fewest wins in a season. They won four games and then folded. And the um, the uh, Philadelphia uh, Rockets, which was the, the, the second American Hockey League team in Philadelphia, which came in after after the war, uh, also has the same record in the AHL. They won five games in one, in one, in one of their seasons. So uh, we had there were some outstanding failures uh, in hockey history before, until the Flyers came along, and that's why not many of these teams lasted very long. There was, um, as I said, the first team was the Philadelphia Arrows. Then that uh, that changed to the Ramblers. Uh, th that team came in at the Can Am League in nineteen twenty seven. And then that um, uh, that that league uh, merged with the old International uh, Hockey League to become the uh, International American Hockey League, which was the was the birth of the American Hockey League. That was in 1936. Two years later, the, the, the first two years, those two leagues were both down to four teams played uh, interlocking schedule, although the two leagues were still separate. And then 1938, those two leagues formally merge become the american hockey league and that league has existed since 1938 and uh philadelphia was in that league at that time as the ramblers and uh, the hershey bears are the only team that's been in uh continuously uh since 19 uh, since 1938 all right we'll have more with scoop cooper but first uh we got to talk about our friends at bet online BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find league reviews and news on every league, including Major League Baseball, and all the info leading up to next year's NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons. They even cover combat sports, esports, and golf, too. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to scores and podcasts and more. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events. Head to the Bet Online website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. So, what about the Firebirds, Scoop? What was interesting about them? Well, the, well, the fire, actually, the Firebirds were really fun. We played at the Civic Center Convention Hall, uh, played uh, three years in the uh, North American Hockey League and two years in the American Hockey League. And uh, they actually won uh, a championship in 1976, which was called the Lockhart Cup. Um, and um, it, it was uh, it was old time hockey. The, the the movie Slapshot was based on that league. Uh, right. It was it was filmed in John in Johnstown, and um, Johnstown was, was was in that league. They had been in the Eastern League before that, and then came in uh, to the North American Hockey League. The North American Hockey League actually. Was, was with the when the Eastern Hockey League basically folded, it split into two leagues. There was the Southern Hockey League and the North American Hockey League, uh, and the the Firebirds were one of the teams in the North American Hockey League. But then when that league folded, the Firebirds 
uh, moved over to the American Hockey League, as did the Bigums and Dusters. Um, and uh, but it, it was it was old time hockey. Uh, there was there were lots of uh, fights and bench clearers every night. Uh, but it was it was you know it was very entertaining and, and it really drew a a very loyal following. And there's you know there's still a lot of people forty years later. Uh, there's a there's a Facebook page called the the Real North American Hockey League, uh, and the Firebirds are 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 right in there. And, and uh, there are still a lot of people around here that that because in those days you couldn't get into a Flyers game because uh, this was right around the time of the of the the Stanley Cup years, and there was no way to get into a Flyers game. So people that wanted to see hockey came to see the Firebirds, and it was a lot of fun. Okay. And, uh, and I was going to say, Scoop, so we, we were chatting offline, and you um, you had a story about Ed Snyder that you wanted to tell our audience. It, yes, well, I knew Ed Snyder for basically, I guess, 45 years. Um, and my, my general rule of thumb with, with Ed is, uh, if he said hello to me more than twice a year, I started to get nervous because he was noticing me too much. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was twice a year that you know we we, we greeted each other, you know, because in the spectrum, the 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 hallway down there, I mean, everything was was compacted. You saw everybody, yeah. unlike you know, unlike the center where everything is spread out and you know you don't you, you know you don't you don't see people. Um, but this was. Uh, of course, the Flyers in 1979-80 had their 35-game unbeaten streak and went to the uh, the Stanley Cup Finals and lost in six games uh, to the Islanders. Right. Um, so uh, the, the next uh, the next season, 1980-81, uh, you know, obviously the team was was uh, a, you know, a big draw at that time, and at that time I uh, was a contract writer for the Flyers and I wrote a lot of stuff for the program because the program then was there were 16 live pages every game. So I wrote, you know, almost everything that was in there. I had a full page column on the back page called scoop. And I wrote, ghost wrote a column for Pat Quinn. I ghost wrote one for Bernie Perron. I did lots of uh, uh, feature stories that, you know, and that kind of thing. And one of the things they had me do for the 1980, 81 season was a magazine size, uh, Kind of a yearbook thing. It wasn't the same as the media guide. It was it was more basically for the fans, with, with lots of big pictures and uh, blurbs about each each player. Oh and course, yeah, and I remember one, those. Yes, and of course one about Ed, Ed Snyder. So you know that was my I was that was one of the projects that I did. So I went down to the Spectrum in the summer and, and sat in Ed's office for about an hour, you know, interviewing him for that piece, and. Um, you know, we had a very, very pleasant chat and, you know, I wrote the thing, I wrote it up and, and sent in my copy along the rest of it. But the, it wasn't going to be published until about November, which was about a month into the season. So, um, opening night at home, the Flyers won their first two road games. Opening night at home, they lost to Toronto. And the second game was, they were playing Vancouver. Uh, it was October 16th, 1980. So I arrived at the Spectrum that night and I was walking through the hallway, which took you right by the flyer's office. And as I walked by there, the receptionist waved at me and said, come in, there's a, there's a phone call for you. I was kind of surprised and said, phone call for me? He said, it's Mr. Snyder. He's calling from his limousine and he wants 
to talk to you. And I said, <laughs> I said, oh, okay, okay. So they handed me the phone and he says, I have that piece you wrote on me. It's terrible. It's all wrong. I want you to wait there and we're going to talk when I get there. So sit there in the office and wait for me. <laughs> so I was a little perplexed by this because I knew the piece I'd written was fine. And fortunately, I had a copy of the piece with me that I had written. And so I sat down and I said, what did you give them? And they handed me a copy and I read it and it was been completely changed and it was terrible. So Ed arrives and takes me into the director's lounge, which was right next to the office. And that's where he had his, his guests for, you know, for, for game night. And he, and I said, um, uh, Mr. Snyder, I, I, they showed me what they gave you and it's not what I wrote. This is what I wrote. And I handed him the piece that I had written and he read through it and he said, this is beautiful. There's absolutely nothing wrong with this. Why was this other piece given to me? I said, I don't know, but it wasn't me. <laughs> and he said, well, I, I apologize. You're, this is perfect. I'm very happy with what you wrote. This is exactly what we talked about. And uh, you know, I, I apologize for, ups, uh, for upsetting you and, and not to worry. And I said, I said well, you know, I was, I was, you know, I, I had kind of a agenda here for the last 20 minutes waiting for you to show up. And it's, and it's actually my birthday tonight. It's my 35th birthday. He said, it's your birthday. You're not going to the press room. You're having dinner right in here in the director's lounge with, with me. I'm gonna, this is going to be your birthday dinner. This is your birthday party tonight. So I don't know whether you knew John Foreman, who was its no. bodyguard and driver. John was about six foot six, 350 pounds. And uh, he was not only Ed's bodyguard and his driver, he was the bartender in the director's lounge. <laughs> and he said, John, give this man a martini. So I sat down, he gave me a martini, which was uh, generous. And I was so nervous that I, I had a second one. And I don't remember a damn thing about the game, except that, except that the Flyers lost five to two. <laughs> but that, that was, uh, you know, that was my 35th birthday party was getting completely blotto in the director's lounge uh, at Ed Snyder's, Ed Snyder's behest. But you know he was he was always you know he was always very nice to me and I think that's one thing that he remembered. But I I don't know whether you know this other story about about Ed because the rule of thumb is during the game you were not allowed to talk to him you just didn't bother him. Okay. And so one night, the Flyers were playing at Madison Square Garden in New York and Ed had a box there, and there was a local New York businessman that crashed the box and was and wouldn't shut up during the during the game so finally Ed threw him out and it was Donald Trump <laughs> <laughs> they told him to get out and never come back oh man <laughs> now that was probably you know 25 30 years ago but still let's that that was you know you knew you just you just did not talk to Ed during the game and that was that was it so I mean, I was you know I was always on the uh, on the other side, either in the press box or up in the broadcast booth when I was you know was working on that. But that was um, so that's my favorite Ed Ed Snyder story, and um, that's a good you know, one. You know, I I was always very careful never to be 
a Flyers employee. I was always a contractor, a freelancer. <laughs> and so consequently, I was never a threat to anybody. And that's how I lasted, uh, almost lasted 50 years is because I got along with everybody because I wasn't, I wasn't a threat to anybody. And, um, you know, so I had a, you know, I had a really good time and I did get to drink for the Stanley Cup in the Flyers locker room on May 19th, 1974. And I thought, well, this is great. Get to do this every year. And that was 48 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> and then, then the amazing thing is when the, when the June issue of Hockey News arrived, there was a picture of Dave Schultz kissing the cup. And I was standing right over his shoulder. So I photobombed the, the front page of Hockey News for when the Flyers won the Stanley Cup. I love that. <laughs> so that's, I guess that's my claim to fame. There, there were four people four four people on the on the cover of that hockey news there was dave schultz catching the cup uh there was his wife standing there i was over his shoulder and there was an ad for brill green with uh, bobby orr so the, <laughs> we're, we're, uh, i was one of the four faces on the uh, on the on the cover of the uh, june 1974 uh, hockey news that's pretty good yeah <laughs> Scoop, what about um, Fred Shiro? I know in the box you've always told me a lot of stories about him. Uh, what's one that I, comes to mind? Oh, I got along great with Freddie, you know, because Freddie didn't talk face to face with the players. He either community, you know, I mean, he talked to them during, as a group, during uh, the practices, and you know, told him what he was changing lines and so forth. But as far as going one on one with the players, that that's that's what he had to collect for. He either wrote. His little aphorisms on the on the chalkboard. He left right. little notes in their lockers, or Nicola talked to him. But 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 Freddie talked to us guys, you know, the media guys. He, he would talk to you all day, and it was just you know, it was just great. So uh, so I have a, a couple of really memorable stories with with uh, with Freddie, and he also actually after he retired and he left the Rangers. He did color on the radio for the Devils for a couple of years. And in 1984, I wrote a book with Gene Hart called the Hockey Trivia Book. And uh, Freddie interviewed me between periods, which was, <laughs> that was, you know, was kind of a, you know, that, that was uh, a kind of a trip to be in the, interviewed by Freddie, Freddie the Fog. The first thing he said to me, he said, now you write for the Catholic standard in times and said, no, I'm a Quaker. He said, oh, okay. Well, I guess that's not you then. <laughs> but the, um, the the summer after the Flyers won the first cup, Freddie went to Russia to see Anatoly Tarasov, who was the great Russian mm -hmm. hockey coach, to, you know, le learn stuff. So he came, came back and I saw him at training camp. And I said, Freddie, nice to see you. How, how was your summer? How, how was Russia? And he leaned over to me and he says, there's no crime in Russia. I said, what are you talking about, Freddie? There's no crime in Russia. He says, it's not allowed. <laughs> I said, Freddie, I think there is crime in Russia. <laughs> and and the, the other great story I remember about Freddie, this was... Um, Right, right during that time, and this was the NBC was doing Sunday Sunday afternoon games at that time, and they had their producer was a guy named Scotty Connell, who was a very famous producer for NBC Sports all during those those times, and they had been promoting for weeks a game a, a game the Flyers played in Boston, 
and it was going to be Bernie Parade against Bobby Orr, and you know this, this they've been promoting this. So um, the, uh, the teams came out for the warm up, and Bobby Taylor came out first. Scotty Connell saw this, and he was apoplectic. So he ran inside, and Freddie was sitting outside the locker room smoking a cigarette, wasn't watching the warm up or anything. And, uh, you know, because Bernie had played like 25 games in a row. Mm-hmm. And he comes up to Freddie and says, Freddie, what are you doing? We've been promoting Bernie Perot here for weeks in this game. Why is Taylor playing? And Freddie looked up at him and said, it's his turn. <laughs> he didn't care. <laughs> yeah, well, it's turn. You know, he plays every 25 games. It was his turn. You know, <laughs> right. You know, I didn't know you. I didn't know this was a big thing on TV. <laughs> <laughs> And then also the, the one, one last thing is, uh, I don't know whether you remember, but Freddie's glasses were very, very dark. Mm-hmm. And so you basically couldn't see his eyes and he wore these dark glasses, but he had frames that were identical to mine. So I was at training camp and the late Bernie Moser, who was the Flyers photographer that day, was doing all the headshots for the pictures. Freddie came in and Bernie says, you know, Freddie, you can't wear those glasses. I can't see your eyes. And I was standing there and I said, I took my glasses off and said, these are the same frames. So if you see this picture of Freddie from training camp that year, which is the picture that's used all the time, he's actually wearing my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so anyway, that's another. And, I, and actually, I, I, uh, I wrote, a, I wrote a, piece, a piece about this many, many years later that Ray Shiro saw. And uh, he, I, uh, I saw Ray a little later. Ray's son, who was a, was a, he was the uh, GM in Pittsburgh at the time, and he said he loved that story because he, you know, he never knew that. But he said that was just a wonderful story about because that was, but that was so typical, Freddie. I'm curious. There's obviously been a lot of Flyers players over the history of the team that have then gone into management. afterwards and I'm just curious since you covered them from back when they were players and were familiar with them all the way up until you know you know Bobby Clark and Paul Holmgren and and more than that but I do most of them when they were drafted you know right so who do you think changed the most between being a player and being in management boy now that's a that's a good question obviously Homer and Clarkie were both uh, GMs of the team, and also um, Hexy, and, and you know, I, I, I think it's re- it's really difficult for them to do that. Well, well, well for one thing, I mean, by all time, by all means, the greatest GM of all time in Flyers was Keith Allen, who I knew very well, and but it, it, that was pre-cap, and so you right. didn't have to we didn't have to worry about cap. And you know, the it, yeah. Keith was his nickname was Keith the Thief because he could trade a battle uh, trade a canoe for a battleship. And so, I mean, he made some fabulous trades, you know, getting Bernie and getting Rick McLeish and, you know, all, all these these players that were really key players in the Stanley Cup years, the eight-player trade with uh, uh, with uh, Los Angeles uh, was was, a, was another key trade. And, you know, because he, he put the right pieces together to win those championships. And the other thing that he that he did, when the, when the Flyers came in, they bought the Quebec Aces. They, they bought the team outright and they got a, a, they got a lot of those young French or those French players that were there, you know, like Andre Lacroix and Simon Nolet mm-hmm. and so uh, John Gendron and those players that were key in the very early years. 
the, the, it, you know, at that time, coming right out of the, uh, the, the original six, there were a lot of really good players that played in the American League. Um, and these guys played there for, you know, t- up until their 30s. But those players were better than a lot of the NHL players today. Well, yeah. and the it's NHL that, paid better back back then too. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, the, the guys would just as soon stay there because the, the, you know they weren't getting paid much uh, much more to play in the NHL, and they kept their families there. You know, I mean, Frank Mathers, who was it's was only one of only two people who's in the Hockey Hall of Fame based on a career in the American Hockey League. As a you know, he he was an eight time All Star as a as a uh, defenseman. Um, then he, co- he coached the team. He was uh, the president of the team and GM for years. And he, and he was a very, very close friend of mine, um, uh, too. But you know, a lot of those key players on the, the early Flyers team were not only players that they got in the expansion draft, but were this, this group of French, uh, mostly French players that came with the Quebec Aces. And they, they finally, they eventually moved that team to Richmond, Virginia. It was the Richmond Robins for a few years. And then they were Springfield for a year. And then they started the Maine Mariners. Maine Mariners won the Calder Cup their first two seasons. They they won Calder Cups in um, twice with the Phantoms, uh, twice with Hershey. So what, what Keith did and what was sort of carried on is they always had three or four really good veteran players that played on those teams because they were as as important as the coaches were because those are the players that the younger players really learned from and that was very smart right. and this is not something that they really do anymore Ed made plenty of mistakes as as the owner of the team but still it was his number one passion and he always knew that that was number one to him and a corporate owner i mean comcast is, is so big you know, I, I say that, that the Flyers are uh, just a pimple on Comcast patoot, basically. Uh, where, whereas, you know, for Ed Snyder, they were they were the central thing in, in, uh, in his life. And that's right. why he brought so many people, so many former players back. Actually, a number of years ago, I, I went through all of uh, a list of all the players that had played for the Flyers at that time. This was probably 15 years ago. And the number of players that had played once for the team and gone someplace else and come back at least once as a player or as a broadcaster, or as a manager, or as a coach at that time, there were 70 and there've been more since then, but you know, that's, they do you know, do that a lot, Yeah, but it's, it's not, you know, they, they don't do it that much anymore, but that was, but that was right. always, that was always the tradition. And, you know, so I, you know, and, and I knew virtually every one of those players for, you know, decades, and uh, you know they're all really, all really good guys, and that's I kind of you know I kind of missed that because to me, the current players are basically mercenaries that are come and go and they're playing. They're not playing for the crest on the front anymore. They're playing for the next contract, and they don't care where it is. Whereas to me, the real flyers are the guys from the seventies. A lot of them still live around here, True. you know, and those those are the guys that you know that I know. I. I knew very uh, in in recent years i really didn't get to know very many of the players because they were coming and going and you know i didn't really care and a, and a real example of that is when, Ch- when chicago won beat the flyers in 2012 to win to win their first stanley cup in since i think since 1963 or something or yeah, other. 2010 yeah right yeah or, i'm sorry 2010 um 
when they played their first game four months later for the next season, 11 of the players that were dressed for that game that they won the cup were no longer with the team. You know, that that's just, again, you, you look at the, you know, the roster of the flyers are going to have this year. You look, you know, look at that, and, you know, there may be five players that, that were on the team three or four years ago. You know, so there's no, there's no uh, longevity and there's uh, no con- continuity. That's true. That was so much fun, Scoop. Uh, yeah. So many good stories, and uh, we really appreciate you joining us today. Okay, well, uh, you know, anytime, because I'm just a hermit here, and I have nothing else to do. <laughs> and as I say, as I say, as I say, I got a million of them. Wow, Russ, that was so much fun talking to Scoop. Man, I know I have that trivia book on a bookshelf somewhere in my parents' house. I'm going to run and look it up right when I get there the next time. That's amazing. That's great. I mean, that's that's cool. Yeah, Scoop knows a lot. I was lucky to sit next to him for all these years, and so I, I learned a lot through him. Me too. I'm looking forward to maybe talking to him again someday. Hopefully yeah. we will be able to do that for the show. Wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing, the Flyers put out a fun TikTok about Tyson Forster and Zade Wisdom being best buds, especially at development camp. They seem to get along really well. The two of them played together for the Phantoms in the non-CHL year, and uh, so they know each other pretty well. It's, and yeah. it's a good little video. I always like the buddy stuff. That's good. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for today's show. We'll be back again on Friday. We're going to talk about Bryce Brodzinski, who is kind of a rising prospect we have in the flyer system. Plus, we'll have our mailbag. So send us your questions. You can tweet us at Locked On Flyers. You can email us at lockedonflyers at gmail.com, or you can drop a comment over on YouTube as well. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen to Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. You can stay up to date on everything in the hockey world with Locked On NHL, your daily NHL podcast. Have a great day, everyone.